in the scriptures. There's much that is said of the devil. And there are various names which are given to him. He is, for example, known as the accuser of the brethren. The one who accuses before God day and night the people of God. He is also known as the murderer and the liar and the father of them. And in this passage that we have read together this night, there's another title. For he is known here as the prince of this world. He's the prince of demons. He's the prince of the power of the air. He is the archenemy of Christ himself and all that is of God. And his aim and his desire from the beginning of time was to usurp the throne of God and to frustrate the great plan of God in redeeming a people unto himself. And that aim was seen and can be traced right from the time of Genesis where the serpent appears in Genesis 3 and tempts Eve to take of that forbidden fruit. And there was a desire uh, even to frustrate the plan of God right through uh, those chapters as Cain rose up against his brother Abel and slew him. Why? Because the devil thought that the promised seed came through Abel. And that whole plan was to be climaxed at the place called Calvary in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the start of a new year, we can be assured that the devil will be busy against all that is of God. But you know, men and women, there is no better answer than to uplift the one who defeated him at the place called Calvary. The devil didn't know that at the cross of Calvary it was to inflict the death nail to his kingdom. In John chapter 12, that day is fast approaching in which, as promised, his head would be bruised and he would be a defeated and he would be a wounded-headed adversary. And so the Lord comes and he makes a powerful announcement as we find it here in the words of verse 31. I wonder would you care reading them again with me. It says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. That's a powerful statement. Now is the judgment of this world. And if you look at the word judgment that is found in that text, it means crisis. Approaching was that decisive scene. Approaching was that eventful period. The crisis. When it would be determined who shall rule this world. There had been the long conflict down through the centuries of time, between the powers of light and the powers of darkness, between God and the devil. But there's coming the day when the devil would receive a death blow. And it would be the day when Christ would be victorious. But how would he be defeated? How could captivated souls be set gloriously free from his power and from his dominion? How can a sinner tonight be liberated from their bondage and, that, and translated from the power of Satan onto God? Men and women, young person, God's answer is the uplifting of Christ. We seek to lift Christ up before you at the beginning of this year again. 
And we pray that by God's grace that you will see his beauty if you haven't already done so. I draw you to my text of Scripture that is found in the following verse, 32. It says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Let me show you there the instruction about the sinner. The Scriptures teach that the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. That's the glorious light of the gospel who is the image of God should shine unto them. The sinner born into this world is in bondage to sin and to the dictates of their master, the devil. It leads us to consider the implications or the instructions that you find in my text about the sinner. And surely the first must be that the sinner is far off. The Lord speaks with such words as drawing man unto himself. That can only imply that man of himself, by his own natural state, is one who's afar off from God. He's born into this world having that fallen nature of Adam's race, fallen short of the glory of God, one of being at a distance from God, and that because of sin. Forget the notion today that man is good, that he's not too bad, that he's a lot of good in him. And then when God looks upon those good points, then he will be accepted. That's not what the Scriptures teach. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Romans chapter 3. Man born of Adam's race, but his nature is far off. It's taught from Genesis 3. He needs to be born again or else he will not see the kingdom of heaven. Man is a long way off from Christ. For if he wasn't, then the Lord would not have used such words as these. And what is taught even in my text tonight is exactly the same as what the Apostle Paul was to teach. If you get yourself to Ephesians chapter 2 and the words of verse 13, he says, but now, well, we've got to go back. Because that really begs us to go back to the previous verse. He says that at that time ye were without Christ. Remember, he's speaking to his people here. He's speaking to God's people in the church at Ephesus. Those whom he had ministered it to. Those whom he had seen many have born again. And he says that at that time ye were without Christ. That time that you were unsaved. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope. And without God in this world. But now... Now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off have been made nigh by the blood of Christ. Apostles teaching exactly the same as that which the Savior taught. And this has been so from the beginning when Adam and Eve sinned against the Lord and rebelled against God by taking of that forbidden fruit. When they did so, we read that the Lord God came in the cool of the day and he cried out, Adam, where art thou? Before this, there was that sweet communion with the Creator and with His creation. But now there's a distance because of sin. As Adam sought to hide himself, and Eve behind the fig leaves of their own making and the trees of the garden. And God had to cry out, Adam, where art thou? Not that he didn't know where, God, where Adam was, but sin has created a distance. And men and women that led to our first parents being banished, being driven out from paradise. A flaming sword was put 
at the entrance to the Garden of Eden. The analogy in, it continues into the New Testament. You think of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15. It is only one parable. There are three parts to it, but one of them concerns the lost sheep. And the shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he must go in search of it, and for it is lost. And he searches until he finds it. Why? Because that sheep is at a great distance. That sheep is far away and needs to be found. That sheep needs to be drawn and brought into the fold. And so is a picture of all who are outside of Christ and of God's salvation tonight. You're one that is afar off. And I tell you, it is instructed and it is implied within our text. But another instruction, not only that the sinner is afar off, but the sinner will never come to the Savior of themselves. There's many a preacher, present company, there's no exception, who wonders why some soul in their heart will not come to the Savior. Missions have been held. Unconverted have been in every night. You have been in. And we wonder why you will not come and enjoy the wonderful blessings of a glorious and a full and a free salvation which God offers in the gospel. The scales are still upon the sinner's eyes and they cannot see Christ. And like Isaiah they could say, there's no beauty in him that you should desire him. There may be loved ones in your family. And they may wonder why you refuse the Lord. You still cling on to that old pleasure of this world which only lasts for a season and one day it'll pass away. And they wonder many a night on their knees maybe why you will not come and seek the Lord. You see, then we look at our text and we realize that man of himself cannot come because he's dead. He's dead in trespasses and in sins, and a corpse can't do anything. You will not come to the Savior to have your sins forgiven. You will not leave your sin. You will not accept God's way of salvation. You will not have that heart that is renewed and become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The Lord was to state as much in John 5 and 40. He says, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Why? Because men love darkness rather than light. John chapter 3, in the words of verse 19. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil heareth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. That enforces what our text implies. That man of himself will not come and therefore he has to be drawn. The instruction further from our text is that man will only experience salvation and deliverance from their sin through the actions and the work of another. It's God who had to come and draw Adam and Eve, our first parents, back to himself. It's God that had to Offer that sacrifice in the garden. That innocent one taken in the place of the guilty. So that our first parents might be clothed. 
It's God who had to come and stop Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul wasn't running to Christ. Saul was going at neck break speed, the very opposite direction. He was a disturber and a tormentor of the church of Jesus Christ. He was on his way to do more in the, even in the city of Damascus. But the Lord stopped him. And the Lord drew him onto himself. An old sinner. An old persecutor to become a preacher of the everlasting gospel. And the rest of sinful lost mankind is no different. And if you are to be saved, then it will be by another. And that other is the Lord Jesus Christ. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Dear no soul without Christ, your position is exactly how this text of Scripture instructs us. One who is afar off without God or hope in this world or that which is to come one who has deep died in their sin and there's nothing that you can do of yourself to bring you to that narrow gate and onto that narrow way which leadeth on to life one who is traversing that broad road of this world and onward and onward unto eternal damnation in the caverns of the damned thank God there's hope for there is one who can reach to where you are tonight and there's one who can deliver and save your soul tonight. There is salvation to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is only by Him and through Him that the sinner can have the knowledge of sins forgiven and the assurance of eternal life. I wonder, will you receive this instruction? I wonder, do you recognize it tonight? That's me. Preacher, I'm in that text. There's something else I want you to notice. That is the description of the Savior here. There's only one message which is effectual and effective to bring a sinner from death unto life, from the power of Satan unto God. And that's Christ and Him crucified. That's it in summary. That's in summary why this church is on the Tandergee Road of Market Hill tonight. And it was that very subject of which the Lord himself was dealing with in these words. And before this great congregation. You know, there are other times in which he spake of it differently. In John chapter 2, for example, if you turn back to it, in the words of verse 19, The Jews were looking a sign from him. Verse 19, Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He's speaking again there of his death. Now, the Jews, they couldn't understand that. What's this man talking about? Does he not know it took us 46 years to build this temple? That's what they say in the next verse. And will I rear it up in three days? Maybe to give you a little bit of understanding. Come back into the Old Testament to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 6. The verse 13. Have you recently read Zechariah? I tell you it's a good book. In verse 12 unmistakably speaking of Christ 
Behold a man. I want you to behold a man tonight. Not this man. But the man that is described in my text. In verse 12, he's called, he's given the name of the branch. And it says, And he shall go up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Verse 13, Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the counsel of peace shall be between them both. And I want you to underline it, or have it in your mind at least. You see the wee word he? It's emphatic every time. He shall build the temple of the Lord. There is a literal prophecy. Here is a book that's concerning the last days. And the temple of the Lord shall be built again. But it's not only literal. He shall build the temple of the Lord. That's John 2 and verse 19 that we have read. It's speaking of himself. And furthermore, it's a wee verse that also speaks of his church. He will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. These bodies of the believer is the temple of the Lord. And Christ is yet building his temple. He shall sit and rule upon his throne. He shall be a priest upon his throne. There's only one who can be high priest and king. And that's Christ. And so you'll notice. I've maybe gone down a little bypass road there, but you've noticed that he describes his death by many analogies. In this, in this occasion, it is by the temple. But here, not only is he speaking of his death, but obviously there is the manner in which he would lay down his life. For these words can only speak of him being crucified. He says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, there's the prospect of others laying hold upon the Lord and lifting him up to die in the eternal plan of God, which was determined in the counsel and foreknowledge of God. A wicked and cruel hands of men were to take the Christ of God, the Savior who had come to seek and to save that which was lost, and he was to be lifted up to die the death of the cursed, for cursed is he that hangeth on the tree. Those cruel and wicked hands were to take the Lord of glory and crucify and slay him on that old Roman gibbet. His death was not to be of natural causes. It would not be from disease for in type of the Passover lamb in the Old Testament. God's chosen lamb was to be without blemish. You remember in Exodus 12, the lamb that was taken. It wasn't to be sick. It wasn't to be torn. It was to be a perfect lamb taken and offered unto God. And so Christ, without spot or blemish, was to be taken. And he was to die the death of ignominy, And that in a most public place where we read that those that passed by, they wagged their heads at him. And such words not only reveal that others would place him on that cross, but they also give us a view and foretell of the death that he would die if I, if I be lifted up from the earth. 
They nailed God's Son to that old rugged cross. They nailed him to that cross and they placed that cross into its place, jolting every sinew and bone into the most excruciating agony. And there the Savior was, a spectacle for all to see, in the place of no standing between heaven and earth. Like the hymn writer said it, lifted up was he to die. It is finished, was his cry. Christ to crucified, and by faith you dear loved one are implored to look to him. And surely those words of Isaiah come ringing back into your mind, where he said, look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. These words that detail the crucifixion are illustrated in the earlier portion of John's Gospel. You, of course, will know it to be familiar to you. It's that night where Nicodemus came to meet with the Lord. And the Savior was to proceed to speak of Moses in the Old Testament. In verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, he brings them back to Numbers chapter 21. The fiery servants were in the camp because the nation of Israel had sinned against the Lord. But in God's mercy, the Lord was to instruct Moses to do a most unusual thing. He was to make an image of the serpent. It was to be made of brass. It was to be put on a pole. And it was to be lifted up. And then the people that were bitten would look to that brazen serpent. And they would live. What a glorious illustration of Christ. Becoming sin and judgment. Because it's symbolized by the brazen servant, by brass. That speaks of such in the word of God. And being lifted up on the cross. That's why the Lord said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Life from the dead. And from the sting of death is to be found not by touching Christ, but by the simple look of faith resting solely in the finished work and the promises of God. Have you been bitten by the sting of death? Of course you have. Of course you have, man or woman, young person. For sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Then look away to Christ tonight and be saved. One who hung on yonder middle tree. For in these words you see there is the necessity of his death. The once for all sacrifice of God's dear lamb had to take place before souls could be redeemed by precious blood and brought unto himself. The Savior had to die that substitutionary death of guilty hell deserving sinners like you and I might have everlasting life. The Lord said to his disciples, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. That work was the work of the cross and completed he must if there was ever to be a people saved and brought unto himself. Do you see the efficacy or the power that there is in the Savior's death? Paul could say, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. 
But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It means nothing to all who reject the Lamb of God, who refuse God's offer of salvation through the finished work of the man of Calvary. But to those who have been redeemed, to those who have been washed in the Savior's precious blood by faith, the cross, and it's not the will of the cross, it's the work of the cross, it means everything. The power and the victory that flowed out from the Savior's death has meant the difference for many people in this meeting house tonight. The difference between heaven and hell. That's how powerful it is. I wonder in which category do you find yourself in tonight? Does the Savior's death mean anything to you? I tell you, his own words teach us the necessity of his death. And that is why we can only seek to exalt the Lord and preach him up. We can only glory in nothing save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our message at the beginning of 2023 is Christ and him crucified. For it is only through his death that the lost sinner can have hope of life. I wonder will you come tonight as you see this my Savior described in verse 32. The final little thought is this. There's the drawing power of Christ. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. As through the preaching of Christ that souls hear their need of the Savior. Now listen to me. God has revealed himself through his handiwork through creation. There are masses of tribes and peoples tonight through our world that have never heard the preacher preach the gospel, but they know there's a God. They see his handiwork. But men and women, he has given his special revelation through the written word. That word is preached. That renders you a privileged person. For you can hear words of life. The way in which your lost, guilty, hell-deserving soul can be saved is through the preaching of the gospel. It's not through entertainment. It's not through a wee bit of drama or some other stuff that's going on these days. It's through the preaching. The preaching of Christ that souls hear their need of the Savior and the Spirit of God Draws souls onto himself. Did you notice that the work of salvation is all of himself? Did you notice this? Look at it. You see, it starts with Christ and I. And it finishes with Christ. Will draw all men onto me. He is the Alpha and Omega. Salvation is all of the Lord. It's all of God's matchless grace where he draws a sinner from the married clay and he draws him unto himself. It's Jeremiah who reminds us that this drawing power of Christ is not a force, but it is the cords of love. Jeremiah 31 and 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. It's a power which is irresistible. 
It's a power which is effectual, whereby a great change is wrought in the heart and the life of a sinner. Many have been slaves to the drink and being drawn by Christ to a saving faith. Others have been in bondage to the gambling or whatever other vices of sin that this world seeks to offer. But what a change has been wrought. And it's only by the drawing power of Christ that could cause such a change to happen. For in salvation, he gives a new heart. And he gives that grace also that enables us to walk for God. Let me read Ezekiel chapter 36 and 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. There's a new desire, you see. The sinner born again of God's spirit has a desire then for holiness cause him to walk in the commandments of the Lord. Notice that this drawing power of Christ is for all sorts of men. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Notice your authorized version, men is in the italics. That means it's not in the original text. You could justifiably leave it out. Will draw all unto me. All sorts unto me. The power of Christ is able to draw all unto him, regardless of creed, of color, of background. I believe it's obvious from the context, of course, of which we find the Lord speaking these words. Who's he preaching to? Who's he speaking to? The Jews are there, yes. They had come to see Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead. But you know, they weren't the only ones there. Because there were the Greeks there. And they came to Philip, and they said, Sir, we would see Jesus. And they went, as Andrew did, and they told the Lord about these things. And here was a message, therefore, to the Gentile as well as to the Greeks. You see, the message of God's salvation is to all men. And Paul could say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The message is to the whosoever. And dear loved one, without Christ... That means you tonight. You can put yourself in there. You're maybe not a Jew, but you're certainly a Gentile. Have you the desire that the Greeks had? Sir, I would see Jesus. The drawing power of Christ is all sufficient. For when God's Spirit draws that soul under the sound of God's Word and they're brought to that point where they realize I'm the sinner and I need Christ as my Savior where they cast their all upon the Lord. I tell you the saving work which He has begun, He will perform it. He will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. He'll never leave one of His children halfway to glory. He'll bring you right in. For his salvation, the person of Christ, is all sufficient. The drawing power of the Savior is sufficient enough to traverse this life, even death, and to bring us into the eternal bliss of God's heaven. I wonder, do you know the strivings of God's Spirit in your soul tonight? And we'd have to say that God has striven with you before and you've walked out and you've rejected the offer of mercy, but God in his mercy is striving with you again. 
And dear loved one, resist those strivings not any longer. For his promise is, all that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He will take you to himself. He will take you into life eternal. And praise God one day into heaven itself. And you'll be able to go forth and say, The Lord drew me by the cords of love upon the first day of the year 2023. And that's why I know that I'll be in heaven one day. Will you submit to his drawing power tonight? It's not that of a preacher, it's that of Christ. I wonder, will you come and be saved? May God help you to do so. For his own name's sake, and then you'll know. You'll know the defeat of Satan in your life. Just as Christ spoke here about the defeat of Satan at Calvary. You'll know the dethroning of the old devil. And you'll know Christ enthroned within as your Savior. Come and be saved.